0: What's good, guys, family? Uh, This is Pastor H, and we are back at our regularly scheduled sermonic series, Cultivate. Cultivate. That's what we've been doing. Cultivate has been created to combat complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some of us who complain too much. We are chronic complainers. We complain about our wives, our husbands, our kids, our jobs, our churches, our pastors. Uh, Too much chronic complaining going on. The pandemic, the traffic, Mm, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So this series is meant to move us away from the spirit of complaining for complaining's sake. We don't wanna be chronic complainers. We also don't wanna be venters, just to lash out and say whatever because we feel like people need to, to listen to us. But this series is asking us to be instrumental complainers. Those who look at a situation, and they decide, you know what? I'm going to do this better. I'm going to invest the time. I'm going to invest the money. I'm going to have the conversation. I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to break it off. I'm going to continue it. I'm going to take the action steps. That's instrumental complaining. So the first topic we talked about in cultivate two weeks ago was God has given us a garden. All of us have a garden. Some of our gardens are permanent. Some of us are. Some of them are temporary, but all of us have a garden. Like right now, my garden is Jakarta Center Church, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, you know. That's why I preach every week. That's why I, I, I work and, and and connect with you. Because this is my garden. So some of you, your garden is your family, your kids, you know. Some gardens are temporary, as I told you, so you might just do them for a season, and then after that you do, you do something else. And sometimes when we're complaining is because we don't understand the difference between a permanent garden and a temporary garden. That makes the difference. If you know that you're only gonna be in this job for two years or you're only going to um, be in this for a short period of time, your mindset will be different. What you do will be different, right? And then I moved on to an idea that we have to be able to turn a bad day into a good day. Instrumental complainers are able to turn a bad day into a good day because they understand the the value of the power of God. They know what God's God's, power, God's presence, connection to him, they, they know. And, and we looked at David as he was having a bad day and how he turned it around. The Bible says, and David strengthened himself in the Lord. And that's what we talked about uh, two weeks ago. And then last week, obviously, we paused to talk about something else, but I want to bring it back today. And, I, and this message is really part two of what I, I talked about with David. If you, don't, if you didn't listen to that sermon, please go on our YouTube channel or Apple Podcasts or Spotify and look at Jakarta Central Church and find the sermon called Turn a Bad Day into a Good Day. So this is really part two of that particular message. So if you have your Bibles, kindly turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. And we are looking at uh, verse 16 until verse 20. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 16. Uh, The Bible says, And when he had taken him down. The he here is an Egyptian boy. The him here is David. So when the Egyptian had taken him down. Behold, they were spread abroad all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing. Because of, all, because of all the spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Jordan. They were having a party because of somebody else's failure. And David struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day that's a whole lot of fighting y'all that's a whole day of fighting sometimes you got to fight for a long time and i know somebody is fighting for a long time keep on fighting don't give up and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled sometimes when a fight is too too difficult you can mount a camel and flee it's okay to do that sometimes David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. Recovery and rescue. I love those words. In fact, I probably could have called this sermon recovery and rescue. Uh, Nothing was missing, whether small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything that had been taken. David brought back all. Samoa. He brought back all. David also captured all the flocks and herds, and the people drove the livestock before him and said, this is David's spoil. Right here, we've just captured a scene in the life of David, that his bad day turned into a good day. He recovered everything. He brought back his wives, he brought back his kids, he brought back his men's wives and kids, and spoil. This was a good day. But how did he do this? David put feet to his faith. And I want to tell you today, put feet to your faith. And that's what in- instrumental complainers do. They put feet to their faith. They cultivate their faith with their feet. <laughs> You're going to enjoy this. Let's pray. Speak, oh God. Amen. It is Henry Cloud who said, in order to learn something new or do something different, we have to take a step on the outside before we feel it on the inside. We have to take a step on the outside before we feel it on the inside. What this means is that there's some things you're going to do Without feeling like them, but you will need to do them. Do you always feel like taking a shower? No, you don't, but you do it. Do you always feel like talking? No, but you you do it. And according to Henry Cloud, he's saying that some things we will need to take a step on the outside before we feel it under on the, on the inside. In other words, in other words, don't wait for the feeling before you put feet to your faith. When you know you got to do it, don't wait for the feeling. Just do it. When you know you got to invest, just invest. Don't wait for the feeling. When you know you got to talk, just talk. Don't wait for the feeling. Uh, Let your feelings catch up. Let your feelings come to the table later if they have to. Praise the Lord if your feelings and your faith are in conjunction. But a lot of times I have learned that your feelings and your faith may not be at the same place. Uh, but the Bible directs us, and I think it captures the thoughts of Henry Cloud. For we live by faith and not by by, by sight. Talk back to me if you can. Uh, we live by faith. Uh, we live by a reason. Uh, we live by an understanding that God speaks. We live, we live because of facts. And some of us need to learn to live on facts. Uh, we need to learn to live on a word. We need to learn to live on statistics. We need to learn to live on research. Uh, yeah, our feelings may not match the research. Our feelings may not match the statistics. Our feelings may not match the, ma- the, the facts. Our feelings may not match the word of God. Uh, but that doesn't matter. Uh, today, you and I can live a life of faith. I want to borrow Henry Cloud's uh, words again. He says, you will never feel confident in doing something until you have done it. You amen, somebody? Talk back to me if you can. Uh, There are things you have done in your life that you did, not because you were confident you could do it, uh, but you did it. And by doing it, you are now confident. I started preaching in 2008. I wasn't confident. Uh, That night before I preached, I stayed up until 3 a.m., I wrote my manuscript and I remember the sermon it was called breaking barriers based upon Matthew chapter 15 looking at the woman who was told by Jesus that the children's bread is for 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 them but I can give you the scraps that fall from the master's table I preached that that sermon but I wasn't confident I could do it I wasn't sure I could do it but you know what I started and as I was preaching that first sermon on August 2, 2008, uh, my knees were shaking. Uh, there was sweat streaking down my back and going into my underwear. If you feel what I'm saying, I could feel sweat in my knees and my elbows, and, and I could feel sweat on my chest. That's how nervous I was. Uh, but I, I preached my first sermon, and I delivered it in 40 minutes, though I thought it was only 20 minutes. And that day, a preacher was born. Uh, that day, A declarer of the gospel was born. That day, a man of God was born. Uh, Today, something needs to be born out of you. A vision needs to be born out of you. A mindset needs to be born out of you. A relationship needs to be born out of you. A child needs to be born out of you. But that will only happen when you uh, do it first, even though you you don't feel it. And instrumental complainers, they, they, they master and they engineer the concept of doing it though they don't feel it, understanding that whatever they're about to do is the right thing. And as you'll see, David, in this particular context, uh, his wives and children have been taken captive. They have been gone. They, they, have been, they have been robbed of family and they've been robbed of husbands and and and, and fathers and they've been taken away as spoil as slaves. Uh, David has lost and and he's having a bad day. But 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 through his feet, he's able to deliver. Uh, he's able to deliver his own children. He he put feet to his faith, uh, and I want us to understand w- what David did to be able to turn around this desperate situation. And 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 the the thing I discovered, the first thing I discovered as I was looking at the text is that. Faith is a friend to feelings. This day was full of feelings. When you look at verse 4 to 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 30, you see a lot of feelings going on in this particular text. And I want you to to see the feelings that are full on this particular bad day. Uh, Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. They were complaining about their situation. They they were weeping about it. They are crying about it. And somebody today is crying about the situation. Uh, You're crying about a lost relationship. Talk back to me if you can. You're crying about a lost investment. Talk back to me if you can. Uh, You're crying about a, a lost loved one. Talk back to me if you can. Uh, There is something you're crying about. Something has made you emotional. Something has made you uh, trepidatious. Something has made you derillious. Something has made you suspicious. Something has changed in you. Uh, Emotions have flooded uh, your system. The trust that you once had, you no longer have it today. The conviction you had in the marriage and in the, in the relationship and in the job and in the ministry and in, in, the, in, the, in the people that you thought you could work with it is no longer the same. Uh, what riddles you today are doubts and discouragements and despondencies and, and depressions and, and regressions. Uh, you, you are filled with so many things. This was a, a day filled with so many emotions. Uh, the text says that they raised their voices to the point that they had no more strength to wait. And if there's somebody who has no more strength to weep, that's how bad it is for you. Uh, The text continues to read, David's two wives also have been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And watch the the, the man we're talking about. And David was greatly distressed. Uh, Hebrew uh, narratives and stories don't. Use adjectives very, very much, but when they do, you got to pay attention. And right here, we got to pay attention. The text says, and David was greatly gadol, 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 in Hebrew, gadol means great and and, and awesome and magnificent. It means something grand. It's, 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 It's a distress that can't be expressed in words. And notice that and David was greatly distressed. His, his wives are gone, his kids are gone, he, his men's wives are gone, his men's kids are gone. For the people, notice why he was distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Okay, can you imagine that? David is about to die, David is about to lose his life, and they, they, they want to kill him. Why? Because David is the leader, David is the one who has brought these people here. Uh, They are in this situation because of David's choices and so he's feeling the burdens of of, of leadership and sometimes when we look at the burdens of our duties, duties to our families, duties to our employers, duties to our employees, duties to the government, it can be overwhelming especially when those who we serve, those whom we have a duty to are are ready to kill us And, and David is ready literally to be killed. And so he's greatly stressed, you know, and the text says, because all the people were bitter in soul, bitterness, and each for his sons and, and, and daughters. So, so you can see right here how uh, this is a, an emotional day. It's, a, it's a, a day filled with emotions, negative emotions, uh, strong emotions. But I want you to understand that faith is never an enemy to feelings. And the reason why the text wants us to see the feelings of David is because uh, the text is trying to help us understand that God did not create bionics. He created bodies. God did not create cyborgs. He created souls. Uh, God did not create machines. He created moving, living organisms. Uh, the, The point is, your feelings should not be put on the back burner. When we say that we walk by faith, it doesn't mean that what we see should not be taken into account. I I would not say, oh, uh, the fact that you're afraid of a snake in front of you uh, means that you have no faith. No, it simply means that you are human enough to recognize what is going on around you. And God doesn't want us to be so bionic that we don't consider our bodily changes. God doesn't want us to be so uh, machine-like. That we never take the time to feel the things that are going on within our systems, within our feelings. Because sometimes the feelings are a great indication of what is actually wrong. Because oftentimes your feelings are informed by your thinking. And if your thinking is correct and your feelings match that thinking, then yeah, you got to take that into into account. And so please uh, understand that when you want to attack something, when you want to put feet to your faith, I'm not saying discard your feelings. I'm simply saying own them, make them a part of your experience and allow those things to to lead you and and to guide you. And so that's the first thing that I want us to see uh, on this day that becomes good is that David is showing us that we're going to cry about it. Mm hmm. You don't have to be all strong and powerful. You don't have to look like you you you, you got it all together. You, you know what I mean? You can, you can say it's a, it's bad right now. I'm feeling it right now. I'm stressed right now. I don't like what I'm going through. And it doesn't mean that you're not faith-filled. It doesn't mean you become faithless. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane is right there kneeling down. And he's saying to his father, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from you. Why? Because he's afraid. Uh, but 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 yet he's declaring that to the lord he he's telling god what's going on and so i'm i'm challenging you that in your faith it should be able to lead you to the places where you can be open and honest with god about what's happening uh, you can tell god look man god really right now i'm just not feeling this uh, god really right now i just feel distressed and and distraught about this really god right now i feel anxious and angry about this really god right now i feel like i am uh, in remorse. I, I feel like I'm going through uh, an emotional divorce right now. Uh, Lord, help me. Uh, Lord, teach me what's up. And so the first thing that we got to understand is that faith is a friend of feelings. But when we want to put feet to our faith, we need to go to a second thing that we see happening in the life of David and is that faith moves feelings to the back seat. Uh, look at verse number number 6 and david was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him the feeling greatly distressed because he's about to die because all the people were bitter and so another strong feeling each for his sons and and daughters but the text goes on to say but david strengthened himself in the lord his god that's what verse 6 says so here we have strong emotions but david moves those strong emotions to the back seat and he lets faith take the front seat his faith leads him to the throne of god talk back to me if you can right now his faith leads him to the throne of god i hope you're picking up what i'm putting down his faith led him to the throne of god his feelings then took a back seat he didn't allow those feelings To keep him distressed. To keep him shut. To keep him quiet. And like some of us, when we are stressed, we become quiet. We don't want to talk to nobody. We need a time out. We We need time with ourselves. We need to back away from the situation. Is that valid? No question. But David's faith... Says, I'm in trouble. His heart is telling him, You're in trouble. His feelings are running wild, but he goes to God. Because he, he was not going to allow the feelings to take control or to lead. He wouldn't allow his distress to create a distance between him and God. He wouldn't allow his distress to keep a distance between him. And God and some of us distress equals distance from God when it's hard we don't know how to pray when it's difficult we don't know how to dialogue with God when we're going through a heartache we don't know how to be in harmony with the Lord rather we turn away from God uh, we, we use the struggle as a means to depart from his particular presence And I want you to understand that is living a life of feelings, not a life of faith. And that life will never get you to the destination you need to go. And people who complain live based upon feelings. People who vent live based upon feelings. But instrumental complainers, they cultivate faith in spite of their feelings, They, they allow their faith. To bring them to where God can be found. And I want somebody here to understand that uh, you can be guilty and still be godly at the same time. Uh, You may feel bad that you talk negatively about him. That you got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. Mm -hmm. Whether it be money, whether it be premarital sex or extramarital sex. Or not giving back to the Lord. There are many cookie jars. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Your hand may be caught in it. And you may be caught red-handed by somebody or your conscience may just catch you red-handed. But please understand that your guilt does not make you ungodly. You can still be godly in that particular situation. And be able to come to God with your guilt and tell Him, Hey God, I I did this. Uh, hey God, I I messed up. Hey God, this is how I'm feeling. And I just want to speak to somebody right now that if you're in that state, I'm encouraging you, please go back to the Lord. Don't allow whatever strong emotion, whatever negativity to keep you from the presence of the Lord. And right here, David teaches us that when you put feet to your faith, (laughs) you got to put faith in the front seat. And you got to put feelings in the back seat. And and that happens. Watch me now. I'm about to bring you something good. That happens when you understand that there are some things that just take a higher precedence. Because David is seeking God. In this particular moment, he understands that my feeling is a low kind of uh, situation. It's something small. But the presence of God is something high. Uh, Let me make it more practical so you can appreciate. You see, a mother may be upset at her son. But yet she's not going to withhold food from him because she understands what is of higher value. Her anger is much lower than the son's need for nutrition and well-being. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Unfortunately, some of us, we, we we don't understand this particular principle. Therefore, what is higher does not get taken care of. We're not meeting the needs we need to be meeting. And therefore, the conflicts in our lives persist. The struggles persist because we allow the feeling to keep us away from what we really need to be doing. Uh, they, we, they, they, our feelings keep us in a state of, of, of a deadlock because we, we want to be validated first. We want them to acknowledge the situation first, but sometimes you got to allow your feelings to take a backseat for you to focus on the need. For you to focus on what people need. For you to focus on the higher level things. There's always a hierarchy of needs. And you always got to think like that. And that is what David did. He says, look, I'm distressed, but there's something higher that I need. The presence of God. A connection to God. Therefore, this feeling is too low for me to keep me from the Lord. Therefore, I'm going to put feet to my faith and go before the Lord and come to him the way that I am. And somebody today needs to be able to do the same thing. That you need to be able to come before the Lord. You need to be able to meet the hierarchy of needs first and, and put your feelings in a proper place. And that's the only way that your faith will truly work. Something else I pick up from David's bad day, and it's the third thing I want to drop, if you want to put feet to your faith, is that faith Seeks direction. Faith seeks God's direction. That's what I really wanted to say. Uh, notice in verse 7 to 8, And David said to Abiathar the priest. I really want you to pay attention to the structures in the text that have been set up as a resource that David is using to access God. <clears throat> I hope somebody just caught what I threw. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the effort. So we got priest and then we got effort. So Ab- so Abiathar brought, them, brought the effort to David. And, Abi- and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, pursue for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue." Can, can you see right here, David is seeking God's direction using the structures and the foundation that have been set up within the nation for people to lean upon as spiritual resources. I do feel what I'm saying. Uh, like, like right now, there is the Peduli Lindungi app that has been set up as a structure to be able to check whether people have been vaccinated and to allow us to enter particular places. Are you feel what I'm saying? The Jagajarak, the washing of the hands, these are structures to help us to, to navigate in this season of COVID-19. And right here in this text, There are structures that have been put in place that David is to utilize so that he can hear God's direction because he understands that faith always looks for God's direction. I hope you caught what I just threw at you right there. The the, the Bible says David went to Abiathar, the high priest. Then he asked the high priest to bring an effort. Boom. And then he asked from the Lord using the priest and the effort. And there he got a message from God that told him what to do. And the message was, pursue these guys. Pursue them. And God's direction was clarified to him. Again, please understand, David employed the structures that were built, that served as a resource so he could access God. And by using these resources, he was able to find God's direction. I guess what I'm trying to tell somebody is, you need to find the resources that God has set up that are to help you to know His voice. Because in this text, though it says the Lord said, it doesn't mean that a voice from heaven came and God and David heard. No, no, no. Clearly, we see David employed the structures Then he heard God's voice. He heard God's voice. You and I need to be able to do the same thing today. We need to look at the structures that have been set up, and those structures will elucidate to us and help us to understand whether the direction we have chosen is the right one. If you want to get married, if you want to start a business, if you want to end a a relationship, If you want to start a new venture, if you want to move to a new country, they are structures, they are resources that God has set up that if you utilize them, you're going to get an answer from God to tell you yes or no. Let me tell you the structures God has set up. One is the church. God has set up the church as a structure that you can go to to communicate with other believers who believe in Jesus, who believe in his power, and you can utilize them for your own understanding because you're going to hear testimonies. That is why prayer box is important. You're going to hear testimonies. That is why community connection is important. And I wonder why some of you never attend. You've never even been there one time. But these are structures that have been set up that if you can utilize them well, you can be able to hear God's voice as you hear testimonies from other people. God has set up the word of God and the full revelation of his will. David didn't even have revelation. You know that? He didn't even have Matthew. You know that? He didn't know about Obadiah. He didn't know about Nahum. You understand what I'm saying? So, so you and I are at a much better place than, than, than David. And so I'm trying to tell you, is that you should never be at a place where you never know what God is saying. Uh, but rather, if you use the structures that have been set up, you're going to hear God's voice. Notice David went to the priest. So are there priests today? Uh, not necessarily, but God has set up pastors and he set up elders. He set up spiritual leaders. You can consult them. And some of you kids, some of us kids, some of us young people, we think we have got to figure it out. But God has put up a structure called parents, called uncles and aunties, those who have gone before you. They know this, the, 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 the story. Your story may be different. It may be unique, but they know it. They know what it means to get married. They know what it means to have kids. They, they, they know what it means to raise a family. They know what it means to go on days when you didn't have money. They, they, they know what it means to squeeze everything literally so that you can provide for your family. So, so us who are younger need to consult these structures so that they can also give us wisdom because here's a beautiful thing about god's direction is that there are some things that he has specified and we need to be able to know those clearly for example god has specified that you shall not lie you shall not be a false witness so th- so that's clear but what about a choice of where you're going to go to school what about a choice of whom you're going to spend the rest of your life with uh, those choices require you not only to understand what God has clearly stated, but you also need to understand the way of wisdom. And that way of wisdom sometimes comes from those who have already gone before. And so you need to consult. You need to, to talk. And when i using these structures in place, you're going to know God's direction. You're going to know whether you should go or you, should, you shouldn't go. And right here, David is being told when he hears God's voice, using the structures that have been set up, pursue pursue. It's a beautiful thing to be at that place when God is telling you, pursue. Go for it. Apply. Uh, Do it. Get the job. Get the marriage. Go for it. Have the kids. It's a beautiful place. Because when God is giving you His direction, when God is giving you His will, uh, you are you, you, you can be confident that He's going to take care of you wherever you're going. And that's what instrumental complainers know what to do, is that they get God's voice. If they want to improve a situation, they ask God first about it so that God can give them a a direction. The other thing that David did to put feet to his faith is that you see him doing the right thing. And I want to develop this concept that faith does the right thing. And I want you to notice what's going on. So David set out and the 600 men who were with him. And they came to the brook Bezor where those who were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men, 200 stayed behind who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. Who were too exhausted to cross the brook Bezor. So, so right here, David is in hot pursuit because God has said do it. And man, if God has told you to do it, you gotta pursue it hard and hot. So David is, is pursuing, but 200 of his 600 men are tired. So David, notice what he did. David allowed these men to rest. David could have been like, don't desert your king. He could have been like, I need you to stand up and fight. But David understood their capacity and therefore the right thing to do in that moment was to let them rest. And that's what faith is able to do. It gives people the freedom to operate. Watch this. It gives people the freedom to operate based upon their capacity. He is strong. They're not strong. Therefore, he's not going to push the issue. He's going to let them do it in their own time, in their own way. He's going to rest. And he's going to continue carrying on because David understood the importance and the power of capacity. And and those who have faith, when they are moving along, they do understand that not everyone is moving at the same pace. Not everyone has the same, same resources. Not everyone has the same mental acumen. Not everyone has the same money. Not everyone has the same height. Not everyone has the same strength. So they allow people to run based upon their capability and their strength. And they make sure that they allow people to operate and function within their capacity. Suppose you're running a seven kilometer run with somebody who has never run before. Never run before. So you're running with them, and for the first 20 meters, they tell you I'm tired. Well, perhaps that's a place to push because they're not maximizing their capacity. But suppose they have run with you three kilometers and four kilometers, and it's their first time, and hey, can I get to the 7K? Then you can say, you know what? Based upon your capacity, you can rest. And this is a beautiful thing of, uh, 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 of David. So uh, as you're putting feet to your faith, ensure that you are not bulldozing people who cannot do what you can do. You, you are not speaking bad to people who are not able to go with their own flow. Yeah, you might be more spiritual. Uh, you might be more exper- experienced you might have more knowledge but that's okay that's cool you can roll like that but it doesn't mean that others who are not on your same capacity they are they are not worthy it simply means that they're not there yet and if they cannot go you got to you got to take the reins a little bit so david is going on and and something else happens because those who put feet to their faith they do the right thing and something happens here it says And they, David and the 400 men, found an Egyptian in the open country and brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate. Hmm, Watch this. They gave him water to drink and gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit revived. For he had not eaten bread or drunk water for three days and three nights. Can you see the beauty of David's faith here, doing the right thing? Not only does he allow men to rest, but he sees an Egyptian boy who is at the point of death. He's been trashed by his Amalekite uh, master. But David looks at this man as a potential piece of, 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 of treasure. And instead of just kicking him away and throwing him to the curb, Uh, David feeds this man. He gives him a piece of cake of figs and he makes sure that he eats some raisins. And right here, David is is again demonstrating that his faith is not just for himself, uh, but but rather it's blessing other people. (laughs) I hope you're picking up what I'm laying down. David is doing what you and I should think about as we are attempting to be holy. That is, we should aim for a holistic experience. Some of us, we're too faith-focused that we forget that faith must function within the context of human life. Some of us, we want to pray and pray and pray, but sometimes those who we want to pray with, they're tired. Let them go sleep. Or oh, they need to be taught how to pray. And I know this happens a lot sometimes in families. You're trying to force uh, the, the family to pray and to get more spiritual. But sometimes uh, they may not be at that level. And, and your cake of figs and uh, your raisins might simply be allowing them to, uh, to, to chill and take it easy. And right here, David is demonstrating that. That though he wants to pursue God's will, he wants to... Do God's will, but yet he is being holistic. So I want you to understand something today. Aim to be holistic and holy at the same time. Yeah, be good. Be strong as a Christian. But at the same time, be holistic. Include other people in your sphere and and, and help them to to grow as well and, and give them something. You see, brother and sister, I believe that you and I have a piece of figs and, and raisin cakes. We, we, we have something that we can give to somebody who is, need, is in need. Perhaps somebody we see, they're languishing like this, Egyptian boy, they're about to die because they just don't know how to say no. You can be the one who can teach them how to be firm. Perhaps somebody has uh, a disease and you know a doctor who can help them. Maybe you can be the one to communicate that. Are you feeling what I'm saying? And right here, that's what a holistic faith does. And the beautiful thing is that when your faith is holistic, it's going to lead you to the answers you're looking for. Talk back to me if you can. You can find the answers that you're looking for. And notice David. The text says, And David said to him, To whom do you belong? The Egyptian boy. To whom do you belong? And where are you from? David is asking this question. Hey, where did you come from? He he just wanted to inquire. Because remember, this boy has eaten. His needs have been met. Now David is having a conversation. Notice what the Egyptian said. He said, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant to an Amalekite, And my master left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. Look, my master didn't think I was nothing. So he trashed me and he left me for dead. This is where I have come from. He tells David his background. He tells David his experience. And he tells David a key piece of information that he needs because the people that he's pursuing are the Amalekites. And here David has found an Amalekite servant because David was doing the right thing because David's faith was holistic the answer that he had to know where his kids has gone is now being revealed right here because this Amalekite young man knows the master he knows the ins and outs he knows the security system of the Amalekites he knows their battle strategy he, he has been in the war rooms he has been in the the, the, the planning uh, places and now he can give david David, inside information. The answers that David is looking for are right here because his faith was holistic. Brother and sister, listen to me. Some of the answers that you're looking for are not going to come by you being by yourself. It requires you joining worship. It require you going to church. It requires you talking to somebody else. You ain't got all the answers. Some of your answers will come when you learn how to give back, when you learn how to interact and be social, when you learn how to be all that you can be, because no man is an island. God hasn't designed it that way. And it's so interesting to me that as David is pursuing these Amalekites, as he's putting feet to his faith, he has to deal with human issues. He has to consider relationships. He has to consider needs, because that's how God has set it up. That's how God has built it up. That you will not get to the place you want to go to unless you take care of what people need. Talk back to me if you can. You got to learn to be need focused, to be solution based, to be planned, to figure out what am I going to do. Have you ever thought what need does JCC have that I can can fulfill? Have you ever thought like that? Have you thought, what need does my community have that I can feel? I know you're trying to figure out the business master plan. I know you're trying to figure out how you're going to get her to say yes. I know you're trying to have those answers. But perhaps the ticket to your answers is doing something for somebody. Somebody said Seventh-day Adventists or SDAs, they are... Sitting down always on Sabbath. Not doing anything. SDA, sitting down always. Not, not taking action. We have a mission here at Facts Alive and JCC. We want to reach non-SDAs. And we know you are in touch with many non-SDAs. C- can you get in the, in the program and help us and, and reach out? You may not know how to study with them, You may, but you, you can introduce me, you can introduce the leaders. We can do a program, and perhaps by you doing that, it may unlock that promotion. And right here, David, David, David is pursuing the Americas but he he takes care of people, and now a person is taking care of him. Uh, notice the inside information that David got from this young 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 boy. He says he says, look at this. We made a raid against the Negev of the Cherethites and against that which belongs to Judah and against the Negev of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. He He's telling David what they did. He's telling, he's telling David all the inside information. And David is saying, I've got the answer right here. This, this is the answer I've been looking for. Now, now notice what David did. And David said, will you take me down to this band? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will not kill me or deliver me into the hands of of my master. And I'll take you down to this band. And when he had taken him down, behold, they were spread abroad over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Oh, what a beautiful thing. That David found his answer as he was doing the right thing. Because David's faith was holistic. He found his answer right here. And and I guess what I'm trying to tell you is start doing more. Start meeting needs and the answers will come. The issues will come, will be clarified as you're trying to do more. Some of us have this, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to touch it. No, the fact that it's in front of you, it's coming to you. God is saying, that's your responsibility. That's your duty. And God forbid that we we back away. uh, Let him do it or let the pastor do it or let the leaders do it. No, you do it. You pray. You lead the Bible study. You bring the person to baptism. You do it. Because God has placed you in that place so that you you can meet the need. And when you are meeting that need, God will start to meet your needs and take care of you. And bless you. When the the deer is eating uh, and walking in 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 on the African plains, he's eating grass. You know what he does? He eats and drops. He eats and drops. He eats and drops. As the ground and the grass is feeding him, he drops more seeds. As the ground is meeting his knee, guess what? He drops. <laughs> You feel know what I'm saying? So the, 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 the vegetation grows and it moves along This is how God has built society. This is how God has built it. And please believe that I couldn't be able to do this work had it not been for Facts of Life Ministry, had it not been for my team that is helping me to be able to do this. Jakarta Central Church is helping me to to do this. Are you feeling what I'm saying? And so when they help me to do this and I'm able to proclaim the message of, of the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ. And that's how you need to consider yourself That you are a need provider. You are a service provider. And as you're doing those services and meeting those needs, God is going to meet your needs. I think I've beaten up on that one a little bit too much. But uh, the other thing I see with David is that faith fights. Because David gets back to The place where the Amalekites are, he looks at them and he's like, okay, all right, I got to engage in this. Notice what the text says in verse 17. And David struck them down from twilight until evening on the next day, and not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who mounted camels and fled. Notice what the text says. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken, and David rescued his two wives. David fought notice it says david struck them down from twilight until evening of the next day david was fighting you you would think that god will send uh, fire and brimstone you think that god will send angels no Uh, david had to go fight and he fought and recovered everything because faith fights in other words faith does its part in the fight faith doesn't just sit back Faith will do all that is necessary and in its power to accomplish. And that's what somebody needs to understand is that faith always does its part in the fight. And the question is, are you doing your part in the fight? Are you investing in the fight? Are you talking in the fight? What are you doing to make sure that whatever you're asking God to do, you're actually doing it? And the question would be today, what is your fight today? What is the thing that you need to take care of today? Perhaps your fight today is a struggling marriage. You've been thinking, I'm tired. I don't want to... Mm, no, I'm here to let you know. No, God is saying fight for that. David had to go literally and engage himself. So you might literally have to engage in that difficult uh, uh, conversation. Uh, they, they might need for you to iron out those, those particular issues with, with your spouse and not just back away. In fact, according to David Goddard, I've been reading a lot of marriage books lately because I'm thinking about it. Pray for your pastor. You know what I mean? But, but, but David got in his book uh, when he talks about principles to make marriage work. He says something that flabbergasted me. He says, uh, when people divorce, they regret it more after divorce. When they're going through it, they're not thinking about it. But when they divorce, they regret it uh, because they don't realize in that moment how beneficial marriage is. So, so don't be that person who lets go of something good, something beneficial, simply because you cannot handle a bit of conflict, simply because the in-laws are getting on your nerves, simply because the money is tight and there's been a point of contention. No, no, sort it out, figure it out, discuss it, humble yourself, uh, learn the way of harmony, learn the way of peace, and build and strengthen that. Because the basic nucleus, listen to me of the church of the society is the family when families are strong the church is strong the country is strong and god forbid that we have too many uh, marriages that that are unhappy too many marriages that are that are languishing that uh, two people are uh, married but they live like roommates two people don't even don't even connect no no that's got to end perhaps that's the fight you need to get into today because faith fights Faith believes, faith understands that love, I must, I must go for it, I must, I must put it all in. Perhaps your fight is a degree. Uh, you need to get that qualification. You want a promotion, but God is saying, where are the qualifications? Where is the degree? Where is the certification? Have you gotten it? Perhaps today is that day where you can say, you know what, I'm going to fight for my education. I've been at a BA for five years and that's too long. Let me go get that master's. Perhaps your fight is health. You might need to get rid of those Pringles. Mm-hmm. that, that mutterbuck too much. Too much gorengan. It might be time to say, you know what? Nah, I, I, I'm going to do my part. Because faith always does its part in, in, in the fight. And, and the second thing I want to say about, about this is that faith always must work out belief by true actions. So when you're putting effort and energy into it, then your faith... Is really fighting. When you are really reading books because you want to grow your knowledge, then you're, you're fighting. When you're coming to church and, and being involved, then you actually fight. When you're calling out people and, and having those conversations and, and going through the difficult stuff, then you're, you're really fighting. Faith is never afraid of what's difficult. It's afraid of doing nothing. Faith is afraid of doing nothing, but is never afraid of doing what's difficult. So if you feel it's painful, it's difficult, no, forget that. Uh, Go into it, put your energy into it, and let your faith show out. The last thing that I see uh, with with, with David, as as, as we're looking at his, his life, is that David does something that is so beautiful. Because when you see David's action after he fights the Amalekites, he defeats them, He recovers everything is that David goes back to where he left the weak men. The 200 men, they were left by the brook Bezor. The text says in verse 21, Then David came to the 200 men who had been too exhausted to follow David and who had been left at the brook Bezor. And they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near to the people, he greeted them. Mm, I like that. He came near to them and he greeted them. He said, hi, yo, I'm back. He greeted them. He, 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 was, he was nice to them. They were not able to fight with him, but he was nice to them. He did not look down to them. He was nice to them. He did not criticize them. He was nice to them. Are you feeling what I'm saying? He understood their weakness. He understood their struggle. So he was nice to them. He understood their situation. He was nice to them. Then something happens. Then all the wicked... And worthless fellows among the men who had gone with David said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except that each man may lead away his wife and children and depart. Uh, So these other brothers said, David, look, I know we want to take care of them. I know they didn't go to the fight. We understand, but they can't have any of this. They can't enjoy any of this. They can't be a part of what we have worked for. Of what we are fought for. But David. Like a true leader. Says. You shall not do so. My brothers. With what the Lord has given us. <laughs> you shall not do so my brothers. Because of what the Lord has given us. David understood where he came from. He has preserved us. And given us our hand. the band that came against us. Who would listen to you in this matter. In other words, you you got to understand that for as his share is he who goes down into the battle so shall his share be who stays by the baggage they shall share alike. David is basically telling the men, look y'all, they were not a part of the fight but it doesn't mean that they should not share in the goods. And, and, and the point David is developing is that faith shares the goods and that, that's what david is doing he says i've won victory but i don't want to keep this victory myself these 200 men they also need to share in the victory and david develops a beautiful principle right here he's saying the ones who go to fight and the ones who don't fight are really in the same boat they're just doing two different things they may not have wielded swords they may not have sliced necks they may not have a spear and and, and put, uh, put knives and daggers into the Amalekites, but they're just like us. And David is helping us to understand a beautiful principle about the gospel of, of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And I just want to tell you about it for a minute. Uh, because Jesus went to the cross by himself. Jesus died by himself. He was put in the grave by himself. He resurrected by himself. But when he got up from the grave on Sunday, morning he 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 stood up and he walked out and he 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 said i'm going to my disciples and i want to talk to them and to let them know that i have goods for you that i have defeated the enemy and that you can win you can share in this victory and that you can experience what i have experienced without having to go through what i went through and right here brother and sister i want you to understand uh, that jesus died he won the victory and he's willing today to share it with you. He wants you to take it and receive it by faith. And for you to also be a person of victory, to be a person of, of, of wins, to be a person of triumph. He doesn't want you to languish. He, he knows you're weak and you've been left by the brook Bezole, but he went on the cross. He died for you and he said, look, I have victory for you. You didn't fight. You didn't go into it, but I love you that much that you also can experience my power and my grace. And only if you believe and you put feet to your faith and trust what I can do for you, then victory is yours. In fact, your faith is victory. And is there somebody today who is listening to me? Who needs to tap into what Jesus did? Who needs to put feet to your faith and believe that your sins have been left on Calvary? To believe that he will advocate for you? To believe that he will make you a new man? To believe that your old sins and your old way of life have been left behind? To believe that you can overcome it, whatever it is in your life? To believe that the shackles can be broken? To believe that the temptations can be triumphed over. To believe that the disease can be destroyed and can be vanquished. To believe that when you have God, you have everything. When you have God, you have His power. And I love David's uh, behavior, David's actions, because he reveals to us why God operates the way He operates. He doesn't look at our weaknesses. He doesn't look at what we don't have. But He looks at what what He has, and then He shares everything that He has with us to lift us up. And right here, when faith has won, it is a duty of the faithful to feed others. It is a duty of the faithful to lift up others. So they also may triumph. So they also may have victory in Jesus and experience his power. So you thought, The victory is only for you. You thought you wanted to change this. You're only for you. No. God is asking you to share what you've got. And it is spiritually mature who know how to share what they've got. God has given you gifts. God has given you talents. God has helped you in so many ways. He wants you to take that and share it with somebody else. And bless them. And strengthen them. Faith always blesses another person. Is there something that needs feet today? Is there an area of faith that needs feet today? Is it a marriage? Is it a relationship? Is it a job? Is it a church? Is it a business plan? Is it dialogue? Is it a negotiation? What, what, what area in your life today needs feet? David, surely, turn things around. And you can also turn things around if you put feet to your faith. Put feet to your faith. You will also be able to turn things around in your life. And you will be able to live a life of victory and a life of power and a life of dominion. Somebody then needs to put feet to your faith. You need to do something. Let's do it today. Let's get into it today. Let's change things today. Every head is bowed, every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Your people have heard. They need to put feet to their faith. We know the areas that need feet. We just ask you to help us to put those feet to work. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for your love. This humbly pray in the awesome, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I know. God spoke to you. I know you want to respond, but you may not know how. You may not know when. Let me tell you the how. There's a number on the screen. Reach out to us, and we're gonna show you the next house. Let me tell you when. Right now. Right now. Don't delay. Today, if you hear your voice, today, today, respond. Perhaps the Lord also has impacted you, and you would like to give and partner with us in ministry, We have an account number on the screen. Kindly give. Whatever gift, whatever amount, trust me, we'll be more than grateful and happy for it. And it's going to help us to proclaim the love of Jesus. Until then, take care. God bless you.